Good morning. Um, so today we'll be reading from Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. And for those using the church Bible, you'll see them lying around on the seats. Um, it's on page 100 and, sorry, 1,179. So it's page 1179. Um, if you need a Bible, feel free to just look around. And I'm sure someone can pass one to you. Chapter 1, starting with verse 1. <coughs> Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Thanks, Freddie. What can't he do? Play guitar, do tech, move tables. Man, he can do everything. I want to ask you a question this morning. Uh, when you strip everything away, when you kind of reflect and think properly about yourself, uh, and if you're not trying to kind of give the godly answer or the right answer that you feel like you're meant to give, if you knew that your answer couldn't be judged by anyone, what is the deep desire of your life? Have a think about it. Don't say it out loud because someone might judge you. But what, what is the deep desire of... We'd never do that. I reckon for most of us it's got to be happiness, right? Uh, we all want to be happy. We want our lives to be filled with joy. We want to be thankful for all the things in our life. We want that life that says, wow, I just have it and I'm thankful. No one wants a life where we go, man, I just wish everything was different. I think that's what we want our life to be like. Someone once said that happiness is the motive of every action of every person always. Do you reckon that's true? Or pretty close at least. Uh, I reckon it sums me up pretty well, to be honest. And if you're honest, I reckon it might be pretty close for you too. And yet, when you ask most people, how are you going? And you go, how are you really going? Uh, that's not kind of the answer you tend to get. I'm not great. Or the best you can hope for is I'm not bad. But happy, filled with joy, overflowing with thanksgiving, I don't hear that a lot. Do you? This morning we're going to see that God intends for you joy and thankfulness. 
but it comes in a surprising way. And the more incredible truth we'll see is that joy and thankfulness are really just a byproduct of something that's even better. It's incredible. And so it's great that you're here this morning, whether it's your first time or your 223rd time, was it that Eleanor said? Because this is what we see illustrated in the first 11 verses of Philippians. We get an insight into a very personal letter. I don't know if you noticed that as you read it. A very personal letter from a mature Christian man who overflows with joy and thankfulness. Uh, Have your Bibles open. Just have a look at the language that Paul uses. Verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance. Verse 4, always, in every prayer, making my prayer with joy. Verse 7, it's right for me to feel this way. I hold you in my heart. Verse 8, for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Striking, isn't it? A man filled with deep joy and deep thankfulness. And it's even more striking when you understand Paul's situation. Andrew told us a bit already. Paul's writing this, uh, this letter from prison, most likely in Rome, where he's been wrongfully imprisoned And it's likely that his days are spent just being chained to different guards as they take their shift. That's his life. Away from his loved ones, they've blocked his Netflix account. And then even more than that, Paul was told directly by God that his job in life is to take the gospel out to the nations. And yet now, he can't even step outside. If you were Paul and you were writing a letter to your friends, which is what Paul's doing here, How would you start your letter? How would you start that letter? I'm filled with thankfulness. I get to pray with joy always in all my prayers. Probably not. So what causes Paul such joy and thankfulness and deep affection while he's chained to a guard in Rome? Let's get stuck in. Point one, gospel partnership. Let me say point one is by far the longest. When we get to the end of that, don't freak out. It's okay. Gospel partnership. Have a look at verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, may joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Firstly, notice that Paul's joy and thankfulness, it comes from people. It's you, all of you, always, the Philippians, the cause of his thankfulness. Now, immediately, that is a massive rebuke to me. Did you notice that Paul almost always gives thanks for people, not things? Uh, If we were to get a list of all the things that you thank God for this week, uh, firstly, I expect we might be ashamed of how short it is. And secondly, if you're anything like me, it'd be filled mostly with things or things that happen to me, not so much people. Not so with the Apostle Paul. He's thankful for people. But actually, it's not just that he's generally kind of thankful to Philippians. Have a look at verse 5 again. Making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Paul's joy comes from partnership with the Philippians in the gospel. He says it again, verse 7. Have a look at verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace. Now, this is just a different way of saying the same thing. Partnership in the gospel. Partnership in the gospel is the thing that brings Paul deep joy, deep thankfulness, deep affection. 
So what is it? What is partnership in the Gospels? Well, you could say the, the same thing in common. They're both Christians. They're both partakers of grace. They've both been saved. I reckon that's what we think of when we use the word fellowship. You know, the word fellowship we sometimes use. Uh, it's actually the same word as partnership. Right? It can be translated either way, fellowship or partnership. Uh, that is, we have the same thing in common. And so us being together in any way or us doing anything together, well, that's doing fellowship or partnership. Uh, if we have tea or one of the lovely St. Matt's coffees after church, then we're doing fellowship. Uh, if we have warm friendship, then we're doing fellowship. Uh, but that's not what Paul has in mind here. He's not talking about a passive thing. For Paul, partnership in the gospel is much more than that. It's active. Partnership is striving together for the same cause. Partnership is striving together for the same cause, which is the cause and advancement of the gospel. See, how are the Philippians active partners in the gospel with Paul? Have a look at verse 7 again. For you are with me of grace. Now, now at the end of the sentence there, you could rightly think he just means being a Christian, but, but he goes on. For you are all partakers of me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. The Philippians are partnering with Paul in his imprisonment and they're partnering with him as they proclaim the gospel, both as they defend it and confirm it. They are active partners striving together for the cause of the gospel. And this is the thing we see right throughout Philippians. So we're just going to have a bit of a look through Philippians quickly. 1 verse 19. For I know that through your prayers, the Philippians are praying for Paul in partnership. Have a look at verse 29, chapter 1. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. They partner with Paul in his suffering for the gospel. Uh, flick over chapter 2, verse 25. Chapter 2, verse 25. I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Uh, now the Philippians sent this guy Epaphroditus to Paul to support him in prison. Uh, verse 27 says that he nearly died doing it. Life on the line, partnership, supporting Paul in prison. Flick over, chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 15. Chapter 4, verse 15. And you, you Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. Clyde, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They partnered with Paul in money and gifts over a long period of time. This is gospel partnership. Actively striving together for the cause of the gospel. And did you notice... It can be all kinds of things. Uh, you don't have to be a particular kind of person who's good at doing one particular kind of thing to be able to get involved in gospel partnership. The Philippians, they prayed, they preached, they suffered, they sent, they gave. Uh, and this isn't the exhaustive list. You can be involved in the great joy of gospel partnership in a whole variety of ways. And it's a great joy for me to see you guys doing it. 
See, just one example where you see this all, all over the place, but one example where you see this kind of thing happening is at our life course. If you haven't heard of it, I'm going to get there, you should come. But at life, we rely on people partnering together in the gospel across our whole church. Uh, we have lots of people who partner in praying for it. Lots of you partner by inviting people to it. Some of you partner by coming and sitting on a table and facilitating discussion. Some people partner by bringing food and making it a nice space. Uh, some people make coffee, someone MCs, someone preaches, and then some of you follow up the people afterwards. It's a whole bunch of different people doing various things using the, the gifts and resources God has given you to partner together for one cause, the cause of the gospel. And it's beautiful. And it is a great joy to be part of. Are you involved in gospel partnerships? With people in our congregation, with people in our wider church, with people around the world, in whatever way you can for the cause and advance of the gospel. There's so much you could do. Are you involved in active gospel partnerships? Paul says it'll bring you great joy, profound thankfulness and a depth of relationship with others. But do you notice a super weird thing as we were reading it, as we were reading about Paul's gospel partnership? See, this is Paul giving heaps of affectionate thanks because the Philippians have partnered with him in money, in prayer, in sending Epaphroditus, in proclaiming the gospel, in suffering, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And yet, he doesn't thank the Philippians. Isn't that weird? He thanks someone else. It's a little bit like being like, man, I'm so thankful for the life that I have. You know, mum went through all of the effort and kind of pain of pregnancy and labor and childbirth and raising me and you say thank you so much dad like this is going on after everything the philippians have done who does paul thank verse three i thank my god why verse six have a good verse six and i'm sure of this that he, God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, this is a profound truth. God is at work in you from beginning to end. So much so that Paul thanks God, not the Philippians, when the Philippians partner with him in gospel work. It's amazing. But at first, it just seems a little bit slack, I reckon. Yeah, it kind of, kind of sounds like a way for God to get credit for something that the Philippians really did. But this is actually one of the best truths in the universe. Why? Because if it was up to you to become a Christian, you would never ever be one. If it were up to you to keep going as a Christian, you would give up straight away. If it were up to you to remain a Christian on the day when Jesus returns, you would never ever make it. And you'd never ever be able to know for sure if you're going to be saved or not when Jesus comes back. Is he coming back to punish me or is he coming back to pour out his love on me? But the amazing truth is that you can be certain. You can be certain that you're a Christian. You can be certain that you'll keep going as a Christian, that you'll make it to the end. Why? Because it's God who worked in you from the very beginning and it's God who's at work in you every moment of every day of your entire life. When God starts something, he finishes it. 
And so Paul says to the Philippians, God has been at work in you since the very beginning. And so let's have a very quick look at the beginning of the Philippian church. Uh, Turn with me to Acts chapter 16. It's going to be left a few pages in your Bible. Acts chapter 16 is the account of Paul when he first came to Philippi and started the Philippian church. Acts chapter 16, page 725 in my Bible, that is completely irrelevant to you. Acts chapter 16, verse 13, this is Paul when he arrives in Macedonia, the gospel's never been here before. Uh, He gets to Philippi and finds a place to pray and he runs into the very first Philippian who will become a Christian. So Acts chapter 16, verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside, to the, outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. The Lord opened her heart to hear the gospel. God worked in her, the first Philippian Christians, in the very beginning, in the first moment. And Paul says, you can be sure that he'll be at work until the very, very end. And it's the same for you. You can have confidence in your salvation. It's a beautiful truth. Let me give you an implication at this point about gospel partnership. Gospel partnership changes the nature of your relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. See, it's a right and beautiful truth that we're a family, but we're not a family that's just meant to sit around and make each other feel better. We're a family who are also comrades in arms. We're striving together in a battle, taking up arms for a common cause. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I don't know if anyone's seen this movie, but two spies get married. Uh, and, but neither of them know that the other person is a spy because they're both very good spies. And so they're married and it's kind of nice and they try to make each other feel nice, but it just kind of doesn't really work. There's no depth to the relationship. And it's only when they both realise that the other person is a spy and then the c- companies that they work for, who are competing companies, both recognise that they're spies and they're ordered to kill each other, that then they take up arms and murder 400 other people who are trying to get them. And it's at that point that they have an amazing relationship after the mass murder. It's fantastic. Gospel partnership is a little bit like that. (laughs) We're not just here to be nice to each other and focus on ourselves. We are partners who take up arms together, who strive for the cause of the gospel, and in doing so, it brings about this deep bond of joy, thankfulness, and affection. It shapes our relationship and makes it way better. Is that how you view your brothers and sisters in Christ? Have you ever been on a beach mission before? Or heard of someone, seen someone come back from the beach? You can go away with a whole group of strangers for 10 days and come back full of deep affection and joy and thankfulness for people you've never met. Have you had that experience or seen someone do it? Active partnership in the gospel brings about that kind of relationship. But why? Why is it that gospel partnership is the thing that makes Paul so joyful and thankful? Couldn't there just have easily been something else that brought Paul the same joy? Uh, is it just that Paul kind of happened to like partnership instead of something else? And, you know, he could have easily just liked music and he could have kept singing in prison and experienced the same kind of joy and thankfulness for music. We're at point two. 
Gospel partnership brings Paul such deep joy and thankfulness because the gospel and the cause of the gospel is the most important thing in his world. Because the gospel is the most important thing in God's world. So you don't have to look too far in Philippians to see it on display. Have a look at verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. See, Paul said about being in prison. Or he's not even upset about people trying to make life worse for him in prison. Because he says in those things, the gospel is being advanced. And that is the most important thing in his world. Incredible mindset, isn't it? How does he have it? Because he's captured by the gospel. And I've been using that word gospel a lot. What is it? Well, it permeates everything Paul talks about. Just have a look at his intro, verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is the announcement of grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's walk through it. See, naturally, what we should receive from God to us is judgment and wrath. That is exactly what we deserve from God's hand. The Bible sinners, those who have rejected God and rejected his loving rule over us. We live life our own way. We live for our own happiness, our own pleasure, no matter the cost, and regardless of whatever God has to say about our lives. And to reject the loving and holy one is to also be rejected by him. See, he wants to give us love, but we spit in his face, and so he rightly judges us and pours out his wrath on us. See, the future for us sinners is death and hell because we are enemies of God. It's awful. It's serious. It's real. It really ought to be your future. But the announcement of the gospel is grace and peace. You can receive grace from God, a gift that you don't deserve. You can have peace with God, right relationship with him as friends and not enemies. You can experience his love for eternity in heaven. It is mind-blowing, glorious, beautiful news. How? Verse 1. To all the saints in Christ Jesus. The Philippians are saints because they are in Christ Jesus. Because in Jesus, in his death and resurrection, God pours out his judgment and wrath on his own son so that we can have grace and peace with him. What amazing news, isn't it? That is the beauty of the gospel. And that's why partnership in this gospel is the thing that brings Paul joy and thankfulness. It is the big thing that matters in this world. It's something worth being captured by. It's something worth giving yourself to. It's something worth taking on the most important place in your world. And it's something worth exploring more. So if you're here and you're someone who doesn't know if you've received grace and peace from God, or if you know that you haven't, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, It is wonderful that you are here this morning. You're in the right place. The gospel is something worth exploring more. See, There's a reason why a whole bunch of the people who are sitting next to you think that this is the most important thing in their world. The gospel is worth exploring more 
Uh, we've got something starting soon, next week actually, that's going to help you to do that. It's called Life. Now, life is a space for you to gather with other people who've got questions about Jesus to see what Jesus has to say about life. Uh, it's going to be in the hall over there. Hendy's going to tell you a bit more. But chuck something on your Connect card if you're interested. I'll give you a call this week. If you have received grace and peace from God, how good is it? And is the gospel and the cause of the gospel the most important thing in your world? Are you deep in the trenches in gospel partnership because you're captivated by it? Not out of guilt because you have to, but out of joy. Because when you understand the gospel, how could you not be? Or have you just got kind of one foot in the trenches and you're kind of testing the waters? Or are you not really in the trenches at all? I like Jesus, but I'm not really in there. If you're not, come back and sit in the beauty of the gospel again and be captured by it. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the main game. And that's the deeper truth to this passage. See, joy and thankfulness are really just a byproduct. They're a really nice one, but they're just a byproduct. See, those who chase happiness and joy will never find it, but those who give themselves up in partnership from the gospel will have joy, happiness, and thankfulness in abundance. But that's not why you do it. You do it because you've seen the beauty of the gospel. You've been transformed by the grace and peace, and so you give yourself wholly to the cause of the gospel. And then joy and thankfulness and deep affection amongst your brothers and sisters is the byproduct. You see? So, the gospel is the most important thing in Paul's world because it brings grace and peace to sinners. It causes him great joy and thankfulness in partnering with others in it, which leads to the final thing Paul does. His point three, pray for his gospel partners. What should you pray for your partners in the gospel? What should you pray for yourself? Verse nine. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's look quickly through this prayer. Paul prays that the Philippians, that their love would abound more and more. Uh, now, he's not just praying that they'd get more and more warm fuzzies. Uh, no, he prays that their love will grow in knowledge. Now, those are two things that we don't normally put together. Uh, we think you can have the experience of love or you can be the nerd who knows stuff. Uh, but in the Bible, they kind of go together. Why? Paul prays knowledge so that they can discern what is truly excellent and then do it. God wants them to know more and more of what God loves and have the ability to do those things. Why does he pray that? Verse 10. So that they'll be pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of Jesus righteous, of righteousness through Jesus on the day that Jesus returns. Now, did you notice that this is pretty much what Paul has already thanked God for in verse 6? Uh, he's thanked God that he was at work, making them that he is at work, making them ready to bring them to completion on the last day. Do you see that? How can those two things go together? So do the Philippians need to not worry about growing to be blameless for the last day because God's doing it? Or do they need prayer from Paul to do it? Well, yes and yes. 
Yes, Paul thanks God that he is at work in them doing this. But does that mean that the Philippians should sit back and just not do anything because God's at work? No way. God is at work in them, which is meant to encourage them to keep going and to keep growing in godliness and not to stop. Paul prays that they would grow to be blameless on the day of Christ, knowing that they will because God is at work in them. Do you see? And all this leads to the ultimate end point of Paul's prayer, which is really the ultimate end of all things, which isn't our joy or our happiness, but God's glory and praise. What a thing to pray for our gospel partners. Praise God. Our world is chasing joy and happiness and a life of thankfulness, and God intends for you to have it. But not because it's the main game. You'll get it and so much more receive the grace and peace in the gospel from God the Father by trusting in his Son. And as you see you're captured by it and so make it the, core, the, the cause of the gospel, the centre of your world. And so you pour yourself out for the work of the gospel in partnership with others. And you'll pray for those whom you partner with in it, side by side, all for the glory and praise of God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the good news of the gospel that sinners like us who are your enemies can receive grace and peace through your Son. Thank you that that is the best, most beautiful, most incredible news in the whole world and we pray you would help us to see it as it is. We pray that we would be so captured by it that we might be deep in the trenches in gospel partners, in, in gospel partnership with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you that you've given us all gifts of various kinds to get involved in this partnership and we pray that we would give ourselves over to it. And we thank you so much that in doing so, we receive all these great things like joy and thankfulness and deep affection and bonds that the world is looking for and we have in Christ. And we pray that our love might grow more and more in knowledge that we might discern the things that are truly excellent in your sight that we might grow to be pure and blameless, filled with the righteousness of Jesus for the day when he comes. We pray all these things for your great glory and praise. Amen.